Welcome to the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast for another example of astronomy misconceptions, mistakes, half-truths, and conspiracies. My name is Stuart Robbins, and this is episode 12, a bonus episode for the last quarter of November. Today, I'm bringing you an interview with the conspiracy skeptic, Carl Mamer. Carl is Canadian, but my USAian listeners shouldn't hold that against him. He's a technical writer and the host of the Conspiracy Skeptic, Soul Survivors, and Ask a Canadian Podcasts. Carl currently lives in Toronto and works as a director of communications and social CRM guru to pay the bills. In some circles, he's known as the bad boy of social CRM, a title that he gave himself. From 2000 to 2003, Carl worked for a dot-com in Seattle that once had a bigger market value than the combined GDP of any three Central African nations that you care to mention. Before the Nasdaq crashed, he was a paper.com millionaire. From 2003 to 2008, after the dot-com crash, Carl taught English in Seoul, South Korea. He wanted to take a little break from the computer world after the dot-com implosion, but he eventually got his fill of Asia, rice, and banana milk, and returned to his old career. Previous to his dot-com experience, Carl was a computer entertainment columnist for a major Canadian daily newspaper, and authored four non-fiction books about the internet. He's written for the CBC, Toronto's Eye Magazine, and Washington Post Syndicate. And that's a dramatically shortened bio from what Carl had sent me originally. In sum and substance, though, the reason Carl Mamer is my guest today is that he was known to some as the conspiracy skeptic, and he somehow bribed his way onto this show to be a follow-up to my episode 8 on the Hollow Earth. So, welcome to the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast, Carl. Hi, Stuart. How you doing? I'm doing all right. And how are I, you today? Good. I, we should also tack onto my biography, I am your biggest fan. Yes, and my North American media representative. <laughs> Official North American media representative. Quite. So are you getting me on the SGU yet? How's that going? <sighs> well, um, I've been sending them keychains, hoping that will get their attention. Made in China or made in Canada? Well, no, the, uh, the exposing pseudo-astronomy keychains. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know uh, I'd licensed you to uh, make those. I'm sure someplace in the, the fine print of our contract, you, you do give me license to sort of, mm, if you give me a free, we'll just say you give me a free hand in creating swag. All right. Well, uh, let's cut right to the chase then, even though it's already been a few minutes. Uh, you wanted to come on today to talk about the hollow earth. I hear tell that the earth, which I did talk about at length in episode eight of this podcast, actually is hollow, according to some of your impeccable sources. Yeah, you know, when you were sort of covering that, I, I was sort of waiting to to kind of maybe get into the uh, the whole sort of Nazi hollow earth theories or, or claimed theories that the Nazis believed in a hollow earth and all the uh, sort of various conspiracy theories that sort of flow from that. You're, you're not technically a conspiracy podcast, so so I can see why you maybe didn't want to kind of delve into that too much. But uh, so I thought, oh, you know, maybe I could come on and just sort of uh, talk a bit about the uh, the conspiracy angle. So apparently there are Nazis living in this uh, hollow planet that I showed in Episode 8 was not 
actually hollow, but apparently it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as as all sort of, you know, kind of conspiracies and this type of woo, it sort of, you know, it evolves over the over the decades. But the, uh, I guess the story we, we have today is that at the end of World War II, the uh, uh, major Nazis, in, including apparently Hitler, they uh, boarded a, uh, a U-2 submarine and... Uh, Made their way to the to the uh, South Pole, where I think you might have covered it in your uh, your, your podcast that you know there are supposedly entrances to the uh, to the Hollow Earth, and so they they made their way to the to the South Pole and and uh, entered the South Pole where there were Nazi bases under underground, and uh, there they sort of uh, developed. Nazi UFO technology, and uh, the story has even spread that you know that that UFOs today are not you know actually from outer space, but they are coming from the hollow Earth, from the the the, you know, the South Pole and the North Pole, and that they're really actually uh, Nazi UFOs, and they're uh, you know they're here to observe Earth and sort of you know biding their time until they can uh, uh, you know they're strong enough to to invade Earth. So, but if they're strong enough to invade Earth, but they're already on Earth. So you mean more invade the uh, the first world than the third world? Well, invade the surface of the planet versus uh, because they already control the inside of the planet, as the as the conspiracy theory goes. What else can you tell us about the uh, this whole conspiracy idea that the Nazis are are there? And I mean, do they have like super secret advanced technology? Um, I, I seem to recall that in some claims of this. Yeah, well, well, this this all kind of I think sort of stems back that th- there were certain segments of the Nazis that did believe in a hollow Earth, and it kind of goes back to the, the problem is a lot of people sort of want to sort of tie this all to Hitler, you know. Uh, some Nazis believed X, therefore Hitler believed it, and all the Nazis believed it. But when you kind of kind of delve into into the research, you sort of see well. You know, there were some crazies in the Nazi Party, obviously, and uh, but uh, sort of the you know tying it to Hitler and sort of the major Nazis that think that they all believed in a in a hollow Earth and you know Nazi occultism and stuff like that. The the, the historical record doesn't really sort of bear that out, but a, a lot of it sort of stems from a astronomer, uh, Gerald Kuiper. Kuiper is Kuiper, right? How Gerald, we normally pronounce it? Gerald Gerald Kuiper. Uh, I th- he might be the same guy who discovered the Kuiper belts. Is he? Well, I think that well, so Kuiper was the uh, the first person to really theorize about the Kuiper belt. Uh, the first Kuiper belt object wasn't discovered until 1993. Okay, okay, and uh, well, I guess Kuiper in. Uh, June 1946, he, he wrote a rather large piece for a, a journal, or it could have been a popular, you know, kind of like a Scientific American, sort of something that's not quite a peer-reviewed journal, but, you know, not quite uh, the National Enquirer, called, uh, I think it was Pop- Popular Astronomy. In, in June 1946, he, he wrote a big piece about sort of, you know, Nazi, Nazi, uh, Nazi astronomy, kind of a, uh, just a big sort of survey. And He's got a very brief mention about a um, kind of a curious incident. At some point, there was there was one Nazi who actually legitimately believed in one of the one of the hollow earth theories. I don't know if you covered it in your podcast the idea that you know that that we're 
we're actually not living on the outside of a sphere, but we're living on the inside of a sphere. Yeah, I didn't cover that particular one. Uh, but yeah, that is one of the ideas is that you know, far be it that Earth actually isn't hollow, or it might be hollow, but it's more it's hollow and we're actually inside. And when we look up, we're actually looking into the hollow and that it's it's just a really ginormous, big, big, big planet. Right, yes. So I guess what is it, the, the concave Earth theory? Am I getting Am I getting that right? Uh, I don't know what the, uh, the or, technical or, term or, for it is. So, well, it's a long time since I took grade eleven physics, but uh, con- concave convex. So, if you think you're living on the inside of a of a of a, of a sphere, you are right. Be- it would be concave because concave is it caves inwards. That's how I always was okay. taught to remember it. Okay. Well, this this jarred uh, Kuiper. He, he so I guess he discovered a rather curious report that. Um, some I, this infrared specialist in in uh, in the German army or the you know the, the the Nazi party he he went to he went to uh, a certain island and he believed that he could observe the movements of the British fleet and, and what he did is instead of uh, you know pointing his uh, his infrared cameras I guess across the sea he he tilted them up at a 45 degree angle sort of thinking you know in a sort of a con concave uh world he should be able to to photograph the british fleet and strangely enough he just photographed you know blue sky and from there it 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 kind of it sort of emerged you know the the um you know the the, the legend sort of expanded that that you know basically all of Nazis, therefore, believed you know they were living in a uh, in the inside of a sphere, and there, there's you know crazy stories too that uh, you know the German rocket scientists that uh, you know one of the reasons their uh, you know their their you know V two rockets were so inaccurate. I, I mean that's that's maybe a, a statement that needs some support as well. That that they were sort of aiming based on this concave idea versus you know convex, which which is there's just no documentation to support that idea but it's just one of those sort of things where you know people someone said it someplace and then people keep repeating it again and again mm-hmm. yeah that's uh it doesn't take much to start a cult idea or a, a wacko idea and get it get it snowballing yeah now i guess the whole sort of tie-in then to the to to the antarctic is uh you know i mean the, the nazis legitimately had some Nazis legitimately. Okay, maybe that's a bit of an oxymoron. But the the Nazis uh, did, did send expeditions to the South Pole. So again, people sort of then interpret that as they just weren't, you know, curious about what, what resources were to be found there or something that that you know. Therefore, they they were actually going there to build you know bases un, under under the ground. They they tie that together with uh, apparently one one of the German admirals, Admiral. Donuts, who I guess was sort of uh, in charge of the whole German submarine uh, fleet. You know, he, uh, I guess during the Nuremberg trial, he made some mention about a uh, sort of a, like a like a you know that the German army was this uh, invisible fortification and the mists of eternal ice or something like this, which you know 
Germans, maybe they're not unknown for their poetry, but which, which again, people have uh, have not known for their love poetry, certainly, but but you know, people have sort of then sort of shoehorned into this idea that oh, you know, he's talking about a, a fortress of ice, therefore he must be talking about you know uh, bases under the South Pole. It, it sounds actually a little bit uh, similar to. A uh, story that I had heard a while ago that the whole reason that the United States Army started their whole uh, remote viewing project was because of some some article somewhere in Russia, or no, it was a French article, I think, had published saying, it was like a joke, it was sort of like the equivalent of a tabloid, saying that the Russians were working on remote viewing, and so the United States got wind of it, it was like, oh, well, if the Russians are doing it, it, it must be real, and we have to start doing it too. Right, yes. Now, another one of the sort of the, the, the elements that sort of uh, work into this is the sort of claims that, uh, you know, at the end, end of World War II that like, like a million, sort of a million German soldiers went missing. And, and you know, where could they have possibly gone? Oh, so that, you know, they went to the, these, these bases under the South Pole. This, this kind of comes from, there was, there was a book published in... I think it was the 1980s by uh, a Canadian author. We're to blame for this one. It was, it was called Other Losses. And this author, not, not a legitimate historian, he was sort of, he was sort of a, like a, a fiction writer and he was sort of going through some research and, and he found uh, in kind of an archive sort of a mention about other losses, like in German prison camps. Uh, like at the end of the war, you know, when the Allies, you know, put the German soldiers into camps, that, you know, they had a line in there about other losses. And it, it was about a million people. So, um, which which he then insert, interpreted as like other losses, as if like oh these people were liquidated, and and so sort of became this notion that that you know Eisenhower, uh, you know, he had his own Holocaust of of you know German German soldiers at the end of World War Two, and and you know the Allies have covered this up, and now that this author was not a uh, you know like a, kind of like a neo nazi or anti anti semitic you know he was just thought he sort of stumbled on you know the greatest hidden story of all time um, but uh obviously like a lot of the you know the neo nazis kind of uh you know ran wild with the story because it's sort of like you know well we're not saying the holocaust happened but if it did you know well the allies you know they had their own holocaust so you know, you kind of like you know, two you know two wrongs make a right or something like that. But what what it, what it sort of turned out is that when real historians were sort of going over the guy's research, they kind of realized, oh, you know, this other losses it wasn't like deaths. It was just basically at the end of World War Two. You know, there was a lot of old men and sort of young boys. You know, that it that were sort of pressed into the German army at the last, so, you know, at the, you know, in the dying days of the war to sort of, you know, defend the fatherland. And mm-hmm. they sort of realized that, you know, 70-year-old men and, and 12-year-old boys, they're, they're not a danger to anybody. So they just sort of said, okay, look, you know, go home, you know, go back, work the fields, you know, go back to, you know, go back to your families and stuff like that. And, and they were they were recorded as other losses. That was That was the loss. But... Long story short, again the you know the whole the whole mythology about you know uh, underground bases and stuff like that. They've sort of adopted adopted that idea, incorporated that into the whole idea that oh, okay you know wow a, ger- a million German soldiers have gone missing, so therefore they're in these underground bases. 
as opposed to toiling in the fields. Yeah, they were just, like I say, they were just like, you know, 12-year-olds and old men that were just told, go home, milk cows, we need, <laughs> you know, we need food kind of thing. So, yeah. And, and, and now, the whole idea about, why, you know, why did the Nazis, you know, why did the Nazis supposedly believe in a hollow earth? Again, that sort of stems back to the idea that not all Nazis, but some Nazis sort of subscribed to uh, was there, there was a thing called the Thule Society, which uh, which sort of was sort of the precursor or the, sort of the philosophical precursor of uh, of the SS, and and the Thule Society sort of believed in a lot of uh, sort of Hindu mysticism, and again in in, in some tenets, I guess, of, of Hinduism. You know, they they believe in a hollow earth, so so you know that's kind of the the, the connection, but but again, it's you know whether whether Hitler believed in you know in all this mysticism is it's it's uh, I think the you know the official history is you know there's not really much of a connection to sort of you know Hitler and the occult but again as as sort of you know time went by you know people were sort of in the 50s and the 60s you know they 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 kind of had to explain well you know how, you know how did Hitler sort of you know marshal a whole nation of people and you know and instead of sort of going well you know you know, people will, you know, people will just fall in behind, you know, charismatic speakers and stuff like that. You know, they, they had to sort of explain it with, oh, there must have been some sort of occult power or something like that behind Hitler. And, yeah, and, and, and instead of believing that basic human psychology that people have studied for decades have easily show that this kind of phenomenon happens, they uh, they feel, well... No, humans really aren't capable of such evil, therefore we're going to attribute it to insert something. In this case, it was the occult. Uh, some people have inserted demons saying that the entire Nazi population was, well, the entire, everyone who believed in Hitler's idea of Nazism was possessed by the devil. I've heard that from uh, some right. ultra-religious people. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's sort of like, I, ca- I can't explain, you know, how you know this sort of very you know cultured nation fell into barbarism in you know the space of a decade therefore well it must have been some supernatural explanation yeah well i don't know how my car works so i just say that there are little elves in there that make it go <laughs> yeah all right so now now now, now another canadian connection to the uh, to the whole hollow earth thing but back in the 1970s there was this uh uh so like he was a German citizen, but he was living in Canada. His name was Ernst Zundel, and he was uh, he he sort of later on in his I guess his career uh, was like a Holocaust denialist. He was he was one of the more leading sort of you know Holocaust denialists in sort of the eighties. Uh, uh, I think he wrote a book called um, you know Did Six Million Jew- Jews Really Die? Question mark and. Um, but but before that, he was writing a lot of books about you know uh, Nazi UFOs, hmm. and uh, and again he believed that you know the Nazis had bases under the the South Pole, and he was probably one of the pers- one of the people that really kind of popularized the whole idea of you know the Nazi bases under, under the South Pole, and uh, it, and you can actually sort of see a lot of his material uh, online. It was sort of archived by this website called the, the NISCOR Project. Which uh, it's, it still exists today, but but it's it's sort of a yeah. um, 
it's kind of like a clearinghouse of sort of all these online neo-Nazis that sort of cropped up on the internet in, uh, you know, in, in the 90s. And, and Ernst Sindel was sort of a big you know, neo-Nazi, and he was very involved in the internet and stuff like that. So they, they archived a lot of his material. And um, one, one of the more hilarious things what he, what he was trying to do in, 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 the, uh, in the 70s, he was trying to organize this, uh, this like, overflight of the South Pole, and they were going to try and find the, uh, you know, the the Nazi UFO bases. And his idea was to charter a uh, 747. You, you can see his pamphlet online, and they're going to charter a like a 747, and they were going to paint a swastika on on the tail. So I guess that the you know the the Nazi you know proton missiles or something like that weren't going to say, oh, that's one of us, you know, let's not shoot down that 747. So that was sort of the, the concept. And, and you, could, you could book a seat on the 747 for, for $9,999. And uh, curiously, it, uh, the, the, the expedition never happened. So, hmm. but, um, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was also selling, um, he's also selling these, uh, uh, like Nazi UFO investigator passes, which on kind of one side had like a spotting chart, like, you know, you know, if you see these kind of UFOs, these are Nazi craft. And on the other side, it's sort of like uh, uh, kind of English and German, like, you know, if you do see a Nazi UFO crew, you know, here's the questions you can ask them. And, you know, and this is the English, you know, what, uh, you know, what kind of craft do you fly? And then they kind of give you the German and, you know, how many weapons do you have aboard the craft? And here's the German. And it was, it was, it was quite hilarious. But um, when, I guess when Ernst Zundel sort of, sort of shifted into the, uh, you know, Holocaust denial, people sort of dredged this material up and said, you know, we don't think you're quite rational you know this whole nazi ufo stuff which he then sort of later claimed that oh i was just kind of making that stuff up to uh you know fund my uh you know my my holocaust denial uh project which of course is you know real but yeah all right he sounds like a, a pleasant and sincere person was an odd character he he everywhere he went he wore like a uh, a construction uh, a construction hat and uh, eventually he he was I think he was deported from Canada like un- unlike the USA we, we do we do have uh, uh, hate speech uh, laws laws against hate speech and and uh, you can be sort of arrested for uh, you know, Holocaust denial stuff like that so eventually Ernst Sundel was he wasn't a Canadian citizen so he was deported back to Germany uh, based on his uh, his a lot of his uh, hate speech and his sort of uh, if not, uh, you know, leading sort of uh, neo-Nazi groups, sort of being their, uh, you know, their uh, being sort of the grandfather of these neo-Nazi groups, and so yeah, he was deported back to Germany, where I think he then actually did have to stand trial for Holocaust denial, and got I think he got about five years in jail or something. So yeah, because in Germany, denying the Holocaust is I think against the constitution. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Which you know, I, I, you know freedom of speech and all that but sometimes i think it's like you know it, in in north america if you say the holocaust didn't happen that's one thing but you know if you said it in germany where there is you know still a very active and violent neo-nazi mm-hmm. movement is you know does that then become sort of like the screaming fire in a in a crowded theater or you know uh, yeah, well, idea yeah well i think that's getting more into uh 
a topic for a political podcast, which yeah, this yeah. isn't. <laughs> uh, so, so there are lots of different ideas for apparently Nazis living in an apparently hollow Earth. Uh, but you'd also mentioned to me that there are some people who believe that it's not that the Nazis retreated to the hollow Earth, but that they got in through their little UFOs or big UFOs and retreated to the hollow moon. Yeah, well, I don't think the moon is. I, I don't think. Well, I'm, uh, who's 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 that who's that comic book fellow that believes in, in Neil the, Adams? Yeah, Neil I will Adams, be doing yeah. a podcast about Neil Adams at a future date. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they. I, I don't. I don't think the Nazis believe in a hollow moon. But uh, yeah, well, they went I mean, to the moon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're sort of. I mean, if you if you have a UFO, like. Why not go to the moon? Why not go to Mars? Right. So there are whole different ideas too about the you know the Nazis and their UFOs, and they've had bases on the moon since the fifties. And um, but it, interestingly enough, you know, while we think this is right now kind of you know very obscure uh, stuff, there, there's going to be I believe in April, April twenty twelve, there's going to be a uh, a movie coming out called Iron. Iron Sky that that sort of deals with the whole idea of you know Nazi UFOs. It kind of begins with uh, you know the Nazi UFOs launching from their underground base in the South Pole. So all of the stuff we're talking about now is going to become like the uh, it's going to become the uh, it's going to be like you know X Files where it sort of brought back UFOs and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, I I think that you sent me the trailer to that, and after watching it, I had to wash my eyes out with soap. Um, (laughs) And I should note for uh, listeners that all of these links and uh, internet addresses that Carl has been mentioning, I will be posting in the show notes to this episode. So you'll be able to read uh, Kuiper's paper, and I'll, I'll post a link to the trailer for this horrible movie that talks about the dark side of the moon which i addressed in episode one of this podcast yes but although in defense of iron sky it is it is a comedy it's um it's it's made by these guys who put out a bunch of like web movies uh called uh star star wreck like kind of like online parodies of uh of star trek i believe they're they're finnish and so some of their earlier movies might actually all just be in whatever Finns speak. Finnish? You think they speak the Finnish language? Uh, that would make sense. Um, I actually have a, a reasonably large Finnish uh, component to my listenership. I think that they are the number one co- non-English-speaking country in terms of uh, downloads of this podcast. So oh, cool. maybe okay. one of them will be able to write to me. Yeah. Let me know yeah. what language they speak. Wow, yeah. So it, lo- it looked like they kind of cut their teeth on Making these sort of these web-based movies, but they're they're actually going to be releasing a uh, a uh, you know a theatrical movie. So it 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 looks cool. I mean, other than yes, the uh, you know, the kind of the dark side of the moon, and, and maybe it's going to sort of invigorate the whole Nazi UFO conspiracy concept. It, it looks like kind of a fun movie. Based well, on I will admit that the CGI looked fairly good, um, and. Wikipedia is wonderful. Apparently, yes, it is called Finnish is the language of Finland. Oh, thank you. Okay. But I did I did find all this um there was another expedition to find the hollow earth. This was in like 2007, but, but this time they weren't going to the South Pole, they were going to the the North Pole. The the 
this harebrained scheme involved chartering like a Russian nuclear icebreaker, and uh, and they were going to go investigate, look for the, the the entrance to the the Hollow Earth at the North Pole, and whereas. Ernst Zundel wanted basically ten thousand bucks in the seventies. Uh, they want they wanted about twenty thousand dollars in two thousand and seven. But um, right, so that's the whole Brooks Agnew that um, I talked about a bit in the episode uh, episode eight of oh, okay. the podcast. Um, Brooks Agnew originally wasn't in charge of that expedition, but then the expedition leader died, and the the co leader or the you know second in command. Uh, emailed or called Brooks Agnew was like, uh, could you take over this? Are you interested? And he goes, sure. And it's you know, it's gone through so many different incarnations. Uh, originally, it was going to be completely free for people to go, that it was going to be entirely paid for by people in the media and uh, major Hollywood studios. But then the last time it was on coast, it was you know, the $20,000 a ticket. And, you know, I've Every time he's on, he's like, it's going to happen this fall. And he's been saying that for over six years. So, Well, according to their website, it's now canceled. Like, all in all caps, canceled. Oh, so they finally admitted that it's it's not going to happen. Well, you know, nothing. They ne- no one ever finally admits anything, right, in, uh, in the woo world. Yeah, that's true. Is there anything else with the Nazi Hollow Earth connection that you'd uh, like to talk about? No, that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, like like I say, it's you know you you read a lot of stuff online about you know the Nazis and Hollow Earth and the, the occultism, but it's it's you know it's really just sort of based on just a couple little ideas that you know people have 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 run with, and it's one of those really kind of frustrating things when you begin to research these things, and it's like every page quotes the one little quote that has no source. Yeah, I've I've seen that before. I've actually seen that in professional peer-reviewed papers, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. what's well, like what well, one thing that really sort of bothered me was the whole idea about you know this is sort of another conspiracy about the you know the anti-fluoride people, where they sort of claim that the uh, you know oh the Nazis used to uh, fluoridate the water in death camps, concentration camps. You know, therefore uh, it's evil. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're they're you know, you know therefore see it makes people you know why would they do that? Well, obviously they make the prisoners docile and uh, and you know which there, there's kind of a couple problems with that. It's like well one it's like well maybe they were just you know fluoridating the water for the soldiers and instead of building a whole different water line for the, the you know the people in the death camp <laughs> maybe they just you know ran them a water line or and. and but but when it sort of comes right down to it, that's one of those again one of those claims that people repeat and repeat and repeat. But if you go right to the original source, it kind of comes from this basically this crackpot who just claimed he was an anti-fluoridation crackpot who just claims he talked to you know a German water engineer who claimed that they fluoridated the water to you know make prisoners docile. But there's absolutely no documentation of that whatsoever, other than the claim of one crackpot. But it's, these things just get get repeated and repeated. And that's actually an interesting point for a lot of uh, pseudosciences in general is, you know, that I talk about on my podcast and that you talk about on yours is when you hear these kinds of claims, you need to ask for the evidence. And if they're quoting someone else, you need to ask for that evidence. And you need to actually find the original source and see if it actually has any val- any validity at all. 
Yeah. You know, for, for my part, when I, when I kind of research these things, I find Google Books to be, be one of the best sources to find some of the original, uh, you know, the original source material. That, uh, like a lot of times these books, you know, you, they don't have much in the preview, but sometimes like whole books are on Google Books and you can, you can really actually find the, the, original, the original sources. So don't don't just like just don't trust like a pure Google web search. Like go to the Google Books search and 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 search search that. You know, a lot of times you will you will find the original sources. Or for my older listeners, you can go to a library. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to help anybody. <laughs> I like how you laugh at that, Carl. Considering that you're older than I am, <laughs> we won't say to, how many years. <laughs> have you been to a library lately? I was last at a library five years ago wow, uh, yeah. because my aunt told me that there was an uh, a magazine out that had an ad in it that used some of my photos, and I was trying really? to find it. Okay. Yeah, I, w- I was like at a library a couple of years ago, and I'm like, it's really nice here. You know, I'm like, if I was ever homeless, I would set myself up in a library. Well, I actually used to work at a library. I worked for three years in high school at a library. So I'm all for libraries, and libraries are excellent sources of educating materials, and the librarians are usually incredibly helpful and very knowledgeable. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting how much, you know, if you, even like you were saying, in the, the library, there's a lot of source material in the library that's just not online. We kind of sometimes assume it's not online, it doesn't exist, but you, you can find a lot of material in the library. Yes. And now that that public service announcement is done with, (laughs) go collect my check from the American Library Association, I think my final question is going to be this. If you could get any of the people that think that there is a Nazi base inside of a hollow earth at the South Pole, uh, I think New Schwabenland is what a lot of people call it, if you could get any of them in a room and they had to listen and talk with you, what would you say or ask of them? Well, that's a good question. Thank you. Well, I, I guess, you know, I guess my question would be, which I would, uh, you know, pose to anybody, I, for my own podcast, Conspiracy Skeptic. I, I get very, very few kooks emailing me, which is really surprising. Um, but the the odd occasion I do get kooks, you know, before I, I'm going to ever engage them, uh, you know, in any kind of discussion, I always want to know up front. I'm like, okay, you know, what, uh, you know. What would you accept as a disproof of your of your beliefs? And and if they can't if they can't sort of lay that out, then it's like okay, I don't really want to get into a discussion with you. And and you know, so I'm, I'm always willing to sort of lay out what you know, I would believe as a disproof, you know, of of, of my beliefs. So so I, I guess I would kind of start with that. I would say, you know, well, what uh, you know, what would what would be your disproof that of your whole Nazi Hollow Earth? You know, a uh, 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 belief, and then I would, you know, and then I would say, okay, now what? You know, what's your, what's your what's your actual positive evidence for it, versus, uh, you know, just, um, uh, you know, sort of t- t- trying to tie together a whole bunch of like coincidences and and uh, you know th- th- that sort of thing. Okay, well, that's a good question. What would it take to falsify your beliefs? That should be something that. Everyone, uh, pseudoscientist or skeptic or however you identify yourself, you should always be asking, what would it take to falsify my beliefs? You know, what would it take to falsify my belief that the sun rises in the east every morning? 
that, to, to come up with a stupid yeah. example off the top of my head, well, we would take the sun not coming up in the east <laughs> some morning. You know, I, I, I posed that once to a uh, 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 HIV conspiracy theorist. You know, HIV doesn't exist type of conspiracy theorist. And he said, he said, if HIV existed, somebody would have won the Nobel Prize for discovering it. That was his disproof. And I'm like, okay. And then a year later, someone won a Nobel Prize for discovery of HIV. And I came back to him and I said, okay, doesn't this, this, you know, isn't this your disproof? And he said, he didn't win it for discovering HIV. <laughs> he just sort of completely waved his hands at, the, at the, what the Nobel Prize was awarded for. Because, you know, it didn't specifically say in that exact phrase, Nobel Prize for discovering HIV. Well, with some people, there is no hope. Yes, exactly. But in general, just posing that question to people uh, can save you a lot of arguing. Because at that point, a lot of times they'll just go, well, well nothing. And then discussion over. Hmm. Well, that's a good point. And uh, if there isn't anything else, then I think that that will uh, wrap up this episode. Is there anything else, Carl? Uh, I guess uh, I guess just want to uh, wish the American listeners a happy American Thanksgiving. Well, thank you for on behalf of the American USA, as I call it, listeners. Uh, when is the Canadian Thanksgiving? Uh, that was back in October. Oh, when it was a little bit warmer out. Was yeah. that before Canada uh, froze over? Yeah, we we basically we, we need a much longer Christmas buying season. We're so cheap. Ah, well, Costco here had their Christmas stuff out in August, so. (laughs) All right, well, thank you, Carl, and uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, we might get you back in the future. Great, super, Stuart. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks again to Carl for coming on to the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast. Because this is a bonus episode, the Q&A, Puzzler, and Feedback will return to the next regular episode of the podcast, come the first day of December. There are also no announcements for this week, but all of my USAN listeners, please have a happy Thanksgiving. That wraps up this topic for the 12th edition of the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed it and learned a little at the same time. For more information about this podcast, please visit the website at podcast.sjrdesign.net. If you have any feedback, please use the feedback form on the website, send an email to podcast at sjrdesign.net, or leave a comment on the page for this episode on the website. I read every email, and I appreciate the feedback. If you have suggestions for topics, please feel free to make them. If you like this podcast, please write a review and rate it on iTunes. Also, tell your friends, family, and your frenemies. 